Welcome to this episode of our CSA Fireside. We are in South Africa. Yes, South Africa. And I am quite excited to be connected with my brothers from South Africa because of my time in the CSA, I don't know that we have had a strong relationship with the student leaders in Africa, in South Africa. And I am hoping that this will be a major turning point because we know that student activism is vibrant in this African nation. And the CSA wants to be a long-standing partner in solidarity with the students in South Africa. I'm going to allow my guests to introduce themselves, starting with Pato. You're mute, bro. Pato, <clears throat> your audio. Oh. Yes. Good afternoon. Um, as it's afternoon in South Africa, um, my name is um, Pato Chedzon Turane. I am a former provincial chairperson of the South African Students Congress in South Africa. Um, thank you. Thank you, Themba. Um, a very good afternoon um, to, to everyone watching um, and everyone abroad. My name is Tembeletu Nigilana, uh, and I'm the former regional secretary of SASCO uh, and the current district committee member of the Young Communist League of South Africa. Tell me about that organization, Young Communist League of South Africa. Is that a political group? I'm quite interested to know. Um, yes, yes. Um, it's a youth student formation um, that it lies that aligns its ideologies and its work um, with the South African Communist Party of South Africa. Um, it also forms part of the Progressive Youth Alliance um, with sister organizations that include the African National Congress Youth League, as well as the South African Students Congress and the Congress of South African Students as well. Thank you. And tell me about your, the organization you are from, Pato. So you said SASCO? Um, yes, um, the South African Students Congress, which is SASCO. Mm -hmm. um, the South African Students Congress is a culmination of 90 plus years of student activism in South Africa. Um, it draws its history from the early 1900s with um, NUSAS, um, which NUSAS was a predominantly a British um, white organization in um, institutions of higher learning um, that was an advocacy group for the British. I mean, if, if we go back into history, we know that um, the two privileged races um, due to apartheid and prior that just um, colonizations were the Afrikaners and the British who partitioned South Africa through its Bantu stands and its resources. Um, and post that um, only allowed Afrikaners and um, the British to access institutions of higher learning. Um, so the South African Students Congress can be traced as far back as that and why we somehow draw the link to as far back as that is because some of our pillars, some of our 
constitutional framework draws its inspiration from Noosa's way. Um, it speaks about non-racialism, non-sexism. Um, it speaks about access to institutions of higher learning. Obviously, at the time, um, due to the dispensation of 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 colonization was purely white, but we 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 can't shy away from the fact that we draw predominantly most of our pillars and values and ethos from that time frame. Um, then from that we sort of evolved into the more black participation, which included um, your SASU, which is the South African Students Organization, which um, we can draw um, some key historical participations to people like your your Steve Biko, um, who is the father of black consciousness in South Africa, um, who participated in the student organization on the or formed the student organization on the premise of the fact that um, there was no participation from black students. And even if they were allowed to form part and parcel of student bodies, um, they were still marginalized. So which we can draw back to one of the conferences, which was at Gray College, I think, where the black students were put on the top tier of the building so that they are not able to participate um, in the conference to allow the black students, who, the white students, Afrikaner and um, um, British students to participate, which were on the lower cases. So it was a form of segregation to minimize the voice of black students in institutions of higher learning um, so that they don't get to voice out their frustrations. Moreover, because of how the education system at the time was structured, it was structured in a sense that there were only key, I mean, key strategic areas were only for the Africans and British students to participate and they would limit um, black students to um, professions like nursing, to professions like um, um, being a police officer, to professions that are education, that, that are in essence don't have as much of an influence in nation building um, in terms of, 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 of construction of, of high ranking areas um, um, or professions in South, in, in South Africa. We move further where there's um, a strong sense of Pan-Africanism and Black consciousness that takes over um, in the political spectrum in South Africa, where we find that we now uh, have SASO influencing how communities, the ANC, um, and other political formations would, would deal with their politics. Um, we find uh, ourselves in a place and time where Sasso was banned because of the inroads that it was making in, um, in, 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 the, in the broader politics of the country. So it moved from just being a student-based organization to an organization that grew its influence in society that they had to ban it because it was now starting to put up a real challenge in terms of ideology, in terms of um, mobilizing, in terms of gathering of, 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 of just pure Black South Africans who would be against the apartheid system. So they had to ban SASU, um, um, which later on in a couple of years led to the formation of Azasu. Um, the formation of Azasu took its birth child from SASU, obviously, through Black consciousness and Subsequently, the influence. Pardon? Azasu stands for what? 
um, Azanian Students Organization. Yes, it 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 um, draws its inspiration from Azapo, which is the Azanians People Organization, and then it forms um, and has a foundation of um, Black consciousness. Um, with with that happening, um, we we then find that it now has the similar trajectory as SASU because at the core of its foundation and one of its pillars was community work, which would therefore mean that they would, during their spare time, during holidays, would disengage from the institutions of higher learning because it would be recess or whatever. Then they'd put their primary focus into communities where they would have programs like assisting students um, get their metric um, results um, through through um, lessons in, in communities. So they would have math clubs, they would have economics clubs that they would actually teach people about the, the basics of 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 of, ba of basic education which now enshrined them in, in in our community when it enshrined them in our community it therefore means that a student who's leaving high school and now ascending to either um a univer to universities or to um further education and training would now have an ideological foundation of azasu which is black consciousness now where azasu takes a very drastic turn is in one of his congresses, there is a massive ideological battle that happens with Azasu, which is black consciousness versus charterism. Um, so black consciousness would be what um, your Zapo, what your, 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 your Steve Biko stands for, and charterism would be a new wave of thinking which is based on the Freedom Charter of the African National Congress. So charterism now wins the Congress, which is in essence paving a way of building a rainbow unified South Africa, which is inclusive of race, which is inclusive of sex, which is inclusive of gender, and does not try and isolate any South African on the foundations of their race, um, sex, culture, um, um, and so on and so forth. So they then win the, the, the Congress and Azazu who takes um, a charterist form and nature moving forward, which um, probably some of the leading academics in South Africa, like Go, Bani Pichana, a part and parcel of that transition from black consciousness into um, charterism as a form of thinking and as an ideological foundation of the organization. Obviously, because any form of political threat that would come from any organization that has the ability to galvanize students, communities, and so on and so forth, um, would be a threat to the apartheid and colonial regime that exists in South Africa. Um, Azasu meets the same fate as, um, as Sasu meets, which is subsequently being banned as a political party and, part and participating in the political spectrum of South Africa. But yet again, through the pillars and the foundation that we speak about of community work, it researches it itself as SANSCO, which is um, the South African National Congress. Um, SANSCO goes into a much more deeper and much more political um, um, trajectory when it then forms an alliance with NUSAS, which is the British organization that I spoke about in the beginning. Um, when it does form this alliance, what it therefore means for the South African um, foundation, political foundation, is that for the first time we have 
two organizations from two racial um, backgrounds coming together to work with each other with a common purpose of eradicating apartheid South Africa, which therefore leads to the 1985 um, state of emergency that has been called by the apartheid regime due to political instability, um, political activism, which leads to Sansco being banned and not being able to participate um, in, 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 in broader politics. Um, through underground operations, they then have um, organi organ um, organized um, boycotts and organized um, programs to, de to deliberately antagonize the apartheid system and fight the apartheid system. This is where when you look into history, you'll find economic boycotts that Sansco plays a role in. Um, you find um, um, stayaways that Sansco and Sansco plays a role um, in. And then we fast forward to 1990 when Cordesa starts happening. When Cordesa starts happening, that's when we find the unbanning of Sansco, um, which leads to the resurgence of um, the relations of Sansco and NUSAS, which um, um, they continue organizing political um, programs, organizing political boycotts, and organizing um, students to um, participate in the broader political discourse in South Africa. Um, and, and at that point, NUSAS and SASCO understands that they share common values, common goals, common purposes, and it's always it's better for the two organizations to unify and form one big organization. That is when in 1991, this is post the release of Mandela in prison, um, the transitional government leading into um, 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 organizing of the first three um, um, elections in South Africa, happens and in 1991 um, we find Sansco and NUSAS going to one congress so this is the British students and the marginalized black students are meeting in one university which is Rhodes University to form one organization that will have common purpose common values and and common directions in fighting um, the injustices of the past and redressing some of the discrimination that has happened in institutions of higher learning, which then leads to the formation of the South African Students Congress in 1991. Um, the South African Students Congress is um, now takes shape and form and has the ability to organize Black students, has the ability to organize um, white students, um, particularly British, because we still find a form of resistance from the Afrikaners because they've now monopolized um, the political and ad administrative um, work that is done in the country, which therefore means that they are at the center of the apartheid regime. Um, so the formation of SASCO then um, happens at that point in time. And um, when it happens, it's then that through the academic, um, through the, the democratic dispensation, the South African Students Congress now starts organizing itself to fight for access in institutions of, of, of higher learning. So this would mean universities and further education and training facilities are no longer limited to a specific race, but now are open freely and fairly to all South Africans across um, 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 the board. What becomes important about the advocacy that the South African Students Congress does is it does not limit itself to just black students. It 
although understanding that before we get to equality, we need to deal with the question of equity, it takes a stance to now use um, um, this opportunity to advocate for purely Black South Africans to access that space. And obviously, there'll be a form of resistance, which is now where they go to their own Congress and start um, and having a document called the Strategic Perspective on Transformation, which therefore means that the South African Students' Congress is no longer focused on just purely access to institutions of higher learning, but also has a broader political a burden on it to transform institutions of higher learning. Now, when we speak about transformation of institutions of higher learning, we know that at that time, vice chancellors and chancellors of these institutions of higher learning are purely Afrikaner people, are purely white people who would not really allow the access and the transformation to happen at the pace that it should happen at with the political leadership being um, black in South Africa now for the first time in 1994. So the, the, the strategic perspective on transformation speaks about how we transform institutions of violence into firstly be reflective of the demographics of South Africa. So what does that mean? It means that we want to see vice chancellors, chancellors becoming more reflective of what South Africa is, they should be black, we should have colors, we should have Indians. I mean, I know in some countries, um, the word colored is a, is a slur, but colored in essence for us, it, it isn't a slur, it just in essence mixed, mixed in, 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 in essence means mixed race. Um, so we allow Indians, coloreds, blacks, Chinese, anyone who forms part and parcel of the fabric of South Africa to form and be part and parcel of strategic um, positions of leadership in a knowledge production center and we understand the values of knowledge production in South Africa because for example universities like the University of Pretoria had some of their academic papers in terms of research being passed as policies that end up being oppressive to black South Africans so we wanted to take up the space in those strategic um, position so that we have an influence in policy of the country. We have an influence in discourse of the country. We have an influence in terms of creating an output of conscious, um, 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 conscious um, laborers, conscious um, um, staff that um, um, conscious people that will join the workspace and understand their role and responsibility post the. Um, um, apartheid regime in South Africa and the democratic dispensation. Um, and and it's, it's quite interesting because part and parcel of what we've produced as a South African Students' Congress has become a fabric of society in, in the current dispensation of South Africa. Um, you have the current premier of, 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 of Gauteng, which is um, Banyazali Sufi, who was part and parcel of the first 1991 Congress in the formation of um, the South African Students' Congress, who is now a premier of the economic hub of Africa. Um, we have um, um, produced a lot of people who, who have become sufficient, um, successful businessmen, not only um, in the context of South Africa, but um, internationally. Um, Robson Ramaite, who is also a massive businessman across the globe, who does a lot of business in Italy, is a product of the South African Students' Congress, um, which is, in essence, 
our ability to attempt to influence society holistically and have a level of consciousness to understand that our role and responsibility as the South African Students' Congress is not only limited to activism within institutions of higher learning, but we have a broader responsibility to um, to 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 advocacy um, in in terms of 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 politics across the board. Moreover. Um, we we do have um, international work as one of our pillars as 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 as, as the South African Students Congress. Um, some argue that the South African Students Congress have, has an even more radical approach in terms of conflict in in, in Africa, conflict internationally, um, conflict in terms of um, the Israel Palestine question. Um, so so we we do broad work that is not only limited to just institutions of higher learning because our responsibility is way broader than just institutions of higher learning, but it is to contribute holistically into the political environment and political setup of the world and, and contribute to, to society, its foundations, its bringing, its morals, its ethics, and 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 and, and the kind of society we envisioned can only be influenced by institutions of higher learning, since in most cases they say it's a microcosm of society. Thank you very much, Pato. I could not stop you because all of what you have said is so pertinent. I, I'm, I'm going to say from earlier that I'm inviting you both to a part two because this, this will go front or just for the length of the session, but I mean, I learned so much and I, I feel those who will listen in the future and those who are listening know if you were like me on the edge of your seat, just taking all of this information in. Thank you for that. I had no idea that the one question of a background on the South Africa Student Congress would span so much rich history. Yes, thank you. But Temba, for the ordinary Gen Z, who probably doesn't even read a history book or is concerned with any documentary about history, explain what is or what was apartheid in South Africa. Um, I think I think um, uh, thanks 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 for the opportunity uh, again, um, and I think I think um, Patrick has done a lot of justice in giving us the background of of the 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 Congress student movement in general and SASO in particular. Um, but just to shed light briefly, um, probably on our relations um, with the South African Students Congress as the Young Communist League of South Africa, um, is that. The, the history of the Young Communist League of South Africa dates back um, to, 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 to 1921, um, although we, we, we recognize May 21st, 1992, as, as, as the, the, the founding year of the Young Communist of South Africa, um, with, with, of course, important characters such as Edward Rue, who played a crucial role in the then Communist Party of South Africa, of, of many of the young Zent, the model of of what was then known as the Comsol, which were which were the pro um, um Lenin uh, youth youth formations um post post the Russian Revolution. So I think some of um towards South Africa's class struggle um of understanding the fact that South Africa 
um, through, of course, the apartheid regime, is is what many deem as as colonization of a special type of understanding the fundamentals, which I think which is what what brought a rise to many of the differences with with the pro-black consciousness movement um, advocates of understanding the fact that many of our struggles were not only racially inclined but also had undertones of class struggles um, of the working class and the poor being subjugated not only because they were black but because there were class and 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 class undertones towards that struggle. So so the 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 history of South Africa's apartheid is 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 a scientific um, um, um oppressive system of governance that was meant to exclude a majority of 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 a citizenry from democracy from the mainstream economy um and subjugate them to disparity through many of its policies um of apartheid spatial planning um which sort of systematically forced um the the black south african to move away from the mainstream economy um, and only serve the country as a form of labor towards capital um, and traverse back and forth from the subjugated townships to the mainstream economy and back. So I think in, in, in the briefest of, 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 of examples is how you would then um, tend to, to describe apartheid South Africa. Um, and I think most importantly as well is that the South African breakthrough um, and our transition into democracy uh, left a lot of apartheid legacy and undertones um, post-apartheid. That is why today we, we, we speak about things such as post-apartheid South Africa, which, which, which is a fundamental era in South African history um, of seeking to redress um, not only the injustices of the past, but also the streamlining of the Black South African and the Black South African women uh, who were previously marginalized into actively participating into the development of the country as well as the participation in the mainstream economy of the country, because there was a fundamental understanding of saying that the, the breakthrough of democracy really seems to, to, to serve a justice towards the participation in democracy alone. But the, the other uh, um, crucial pillars of, of, of a country, which is participation in the mainstream, uh, as well as passing just laws, we were found hanging from them. So I think that 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 is the sort of systematic um, um, oppressive system of, of what um, apartheid South Africa was. A follow-up question to you, Tembo. How would you say apartheid has shaped education in Africa today? Perhaps you could speak to the remnants of it, if any, in the education system, because 30 years ago, is really that it's not necessarily within my lifetime, but I was born in the decade that it ended. It's not too long ago. Um, um thanks, thanks. I think I think Patu briefly touched on it um when he spoke about the the role of academics um in shaping um and policy. Um, I think there are definitely remnants of 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 of, of apartheid South Africa in 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 the post schooling sector as well as as well as the 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 schooling sector of South Africa and there's a definitely a legacy and there was a huge role that apartheid played in 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 in, in, in the education system of South Africa. That is why today, so many years post apartheid, when we look at effectively three decades of student activism in South Africa, we still begin to speak about things such as access to higher um, higher education, 
Um, you speak about free, transformed um, um, education in the post-schooling sector of South Africa. And these are the remnants of the apartheid system of, of higher education in specific was designated to a minority of, of the South African population. And, and part of that, and part of that, of, of, of that minority of South Africa, uh, partially the majority of the curriculum spoke only of how do we then become better servants of capital? If you if if you are to speak about the 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 post the post uh, um, schooling uh, student that 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 our South African education system seek to produce, so part part and parcel of of what we speak about when we speak about the legacies of a post post apartheid system is to redress that. How do we develop a a more just and and transformed um, um, a more just and transformed South African curriculum, uh, both in the schooling and in the post schooling sector? How do we how do we begin to tell these stories and 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 I think something that I'll touch on deeply later on in creating um indigenous in 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 indigenous history of of South Africa within the post schooling sector and how do we then create a socially molded um a graduate post the apartheid uh, um, schooling um, remnants of apartheid so that is that is something that is definitely being left behind by 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 the apartheid system. Um, and and its impact on 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 our education system. So I think it's something that will definitely devolve into as 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 we begin to dissect the topic at hand. Patel, in light of the things that you described about um, Sasko's contribution to the liberation of the people of South Africa from the apartheid system. What, what what would you say though was the specific role of students in this? If you could give a little bit more detail of what students actually did. Uh, thank you, and and pardon me for 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 leaving a bit. I, I had to change devices. That's all right. Um, the South African context in terms of apartheid liberation is is quite broader than than what meets the eye um we've had a lot of organization i mean uh, bend and burning um underground operations uh, that that played a massive role into liberating south africa and and, and people had organizations had roles and responsibilities in organizing um, different sectors of society. Um, you have the 1976 um, uprising, which was um, part and parcel of our, organized by our sister organization, which um, Temba spoke about earlier on, which is COSAS. Um, we've had um, the UDF playing a role We've had the ANC in Kontowesis with um, military operations. We've had PAC and APLA play an important role in um, also military um, organizations. Uh, but however, when we speak about the South African Students' Congress and its primary role in um, in a in liberating the people of South Africa, we can speak of 
um, several instances. Um, for one, I've um, I've already mentioned the the boycott um, that we that we that the South African Students Congress um, participated in. Um, this is the economic boycott where, uh, at some point, we just decided not to participate economic economically. Um, secondly, um, the South African Students Congress, um, particularly through its predecessors that I've that I've mentioned, Yunusa, Azasko, Azaso. Um, um, Sasu have, have have played an important role in contributing to the ideological foundation of um, of the liberation movement in 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 in, in South Africa. Um, as as we know, institutions of higher learning are the center of knowledge production. So if you are going to produce knowledge, you might as well produce knowledge that becomes um, pivotal for 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 any form of of fighting against against oppression uh, and perhaps one thing that slightly Temba could have left out is the fact that the South African Students Congress also plays an important role in the reformation of the Young Communist League of South Africa um, post its banning because th there's a phase where the 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 Young Communist League of South Africa was banned so the South African Students Congress plays an important role into roping in what is a massive ideological foundation for any form of um, liberation movement, which is um, a, a communist foundation, um, and 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 former presidents of of Sasko, like your Jacob Mamavulo, played an important role into forming um, into re-establishing um, um, the Young Communist League of South Africa. So, particularly, what we've participated in is is boycotts. We've organized um, students to, to, to shut down institutions of higher learning. That's why when we speak about um, defiance of the apartheid system and the state of the, na uh, state of the nation, um, state of emergency in South Africa in 1985, or prior, just slightly um, 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 above that, there's no way you can have that conversation and live out um, the University of the North, which is now known as the University of Limpopo, which was at the center of agitating the apartheid system into understanding that black people or people of color um, are tired of the apartheid regime. Um, in the state of um, emergency in South Africa, particularly in the University of Limpopo, that is where you found um, the military, the South African police system under the apartheid regime, going into that university, shooting at students, um, physically assaulting students, and literally putting the university at a standstill and no one would be allowed to participate um, 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 in, 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 in any academic um, activity um, at that point. And this is a common trait in, in, in what is classified as black institutions, but nowadays has been modernized to previously disadvantaged institutions, which were institutions that were in Bantu stands and black and black communities. Um, and sort of isolated each and every single um, South African from participating in in your Ivy League institutions like your Wits University, your University of Pretoria, your Stellenbosch, your UCT, which are institutions that probably most of them are celebrating 150 years in South Africa. So we do have an important role that we played in particularly previously 
disadvantaged institutions in agitating the status quo and ensuring that um, the fight that is being waged by um, the liberation movement in 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 in, in, in a broader spectrum um, is 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 taken into cognizance, and we as a sector are organizing ourselves to join that fight. Thank you. September, I, I grew up watching the 1992 movie, Sarafina with Whoopi Goldberg. I'm sure you would both be familiar with that movie. Uh, should I take it for granted that you're both familiar with it? We're familiar with the movie. Yes. So even if I didn't read a book about apartheid and Nelson Mandela's work, which I have, this thing is not allowing me to speak, I have Nelson Mandela's autobiography, A Walk, A Long Walk to Freedom. If you watch that movie, you would know that students were killed during those protests. Coming from student activism that required confrontation, that required protests and boycott. What does student activism look like today, 30 years later, after the end of apartheid? From both of you, starting with Temba, what does activism look like today? I think, I think, I think, um, I think let's appreciate the question as well. And mm -hmm. I think, and I think, um, what we can appreciate is the fact that <laughs> how the entire conversation links into um, um, each other, because because if you look at the face of of the history of 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 of, of protest movements and and student protest movements, um, as well as as well as the bureaucratic response, um, it, it it's still interlinked. Um, still to the day, um, um, and, and we can argue three decades um, um, post-apartheid and its and, and 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 its system, the response towards student protest is still the same. Um, the response from bureaucrats is still the, the the response that runs to courts in order to suppress student activism, in order to 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 suppress student protests. The response from the state machinery is still the same in terms of the victimization of student activists as well as student leaders. Um, the response is still the same in terms of the violent response from state machinery as far as its response to, to student protests. And, and it perpetuates a cycle of, of violence in South Africa and post-South African history that, that we are yet to redress holistically. Um, and, 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 and it speaks unto the legacies that you've inherited from apartheid um, as, as well as the apartheid system, uh, that today, three decades post-apartheid, those who were once at the front of the picketing lines against the apartheid regime, today happen to be the leaders of bureaucracies. They happen to be the heads of, of universities. They happen to be vice chancellors, deans of students, um, 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 heads of departments. And, and the response is still the same. Um, whenever there is disagreements between themselves and student leadership, the first resort is that of state machinery, and 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 that is why when we speak about um, the 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 common the the common um, wealth um, students associations agreement on 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 student protests and our response, we 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 draw inspiration and the importance of of students uh, across the country and across the world coming together 
to sort of be at each other's protection in terms of in terms of institutional bureaucracies and 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 the utilization of the oppressive nature of 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 of, of the state as far as suppressing student activism and student protests. So the legacies of apartheid will still continue to live through them even now. Uh, if you look at the beginning and the ending of Sismas 4, um, post-2015, uh, it was a peaceful protest of students who simply demanded free and fair tertiary education um, for those who can't afford. Um, something that is enshrined in the values of the Freedom Charter. Um, and, and the response from government was that of state machinery, um, and response from universities as well as colleges was that of state machinery and violence. So those legacies continue to show their ugly remnants post-apartheid South Africa. And it's a, something that um, student formations across the world needs to continue to tackle unapologetically um, as we continue to pursue our struggle post-apartheid. Patrick, I'd love for you to chime in. Uh, I, I think I think Timber does justice in 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 answering the question because um South Africa has a very violent protest history. Uh, well we could argue that it has a very violent um history in general. I mean apartheid is the highest form of violence that anyone could ever experience. Um uh, moreover because we are about three, four generations post-apartheid. Uh, so my mother was born during apartheid, experienced the 1976 Soweto uprising, and so did my dad. Uh, I could possibly be the first of my generation not to experience apartheid from my family, and my son will be um, the third generation that has not experienced apartheid in South Africa. So there's a level of violence that we inherit um, from that kind of system. and Moreover, because as Temba characterizes it very well, the people who are at the center of bureaucracy and who have state power, people who experience that violence. So when you immediately speak about protest, what comes to their mind is, oh my God, remember what happened during 1976, what happened during 1985, what happened at Sharpeville Massacre. The probability of that happening in an institution of higher learning is there again because we're just literally two, three generations and past apartheid. And their immediate response is a draconian kind of response where they would want to enforce their maximum sort of power upon the student body, which is predominantly the main stakeholder in institutions of higher learning. And, and an attempt to be draconian would therefore be met by a resistance which resembles that of apartheid. Um, we will have the violence if the state antagonizes the people protesting. Um, that, that is sort of the language that that is a common language in South Africa that people understand that in order for us to end a level of oppression, there has to be a level of violence that is at play. I mean, if we speak about fees must fall, um, Temba gives you the nitty gritties of fees must fall the 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 the, the non-violent start which turns violent but subsequently has a level of outcome that we envision with uh, the ruling party being the African National Congress at their um, annual congress declaring free um, free quality education although we're still at the point where we're discussing its implementation 
um, then takes a violent turn is because of the magnitude and the pickup that it had. It started off in black institutions. And when these institutions that are held dear and the custodians of productions that are the custodians, um, that, that, that the primary access is given to white people, picks up the same trajectory um, of free, free education, it now sends alarms across everyone and they want to nip it in the butt. And the only way they see as a plausible way to nip it as the butt is to use the draconian nature of the states. Then at that point, it becomes a really violent um, 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 encounter engagement. I mean, to show how even that event was quite important for nation building is that some of the people that have won awards, for example, um, there was one of there was an award in Germany that was given to Fasia Hassan, um, who is an Indian activist in South Africa, um, who was pivotal or rather played a pivotal role during FISMA's fall at Wits, wins the award. Uh, but now the disconnect becomes the people who are actually in need of the free quality education in South Africa and previously disadvantaged universities. This is your um, Walter Sisulu University, your Cape Peninsula University of Technology, your um, Cape University of Technology, your University of Venda, University of Limpopo, are then marginalized and set aside in terms of the broader conversations of their contribution into free, free quality education, which therefore means we're going to have a, a continued event of protest, violent protest, because there's no broader recognition of, 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 of the work being done in activism and the work being done in fighting an unjust system. And, and uh, I mean, including suspensions and expulsions from institutions of violent experience at their peaks in previously black institutions. No one ever gets to speak about that. So the circle of violence is not only limited to physical violence, but it is also extended to the level of violence that institutions get to display upon students, including um, 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 expulsions and suspensions um, in institutions of violence, which has massive detriments to a learner who will only be a teacher and fails to become a teacher and becomes a, a, um, something, as, as something that they did not envision. And when their first child or the first of their generation um, becomes um, active in institutions of higher learning, they are then excluded from participating yet again by a draconian system. So it does not only perpetuate violence in the sense that um, we're going to be physically engaged in violence, but it also has a systematic form of violence which is exclusionary in nature and character and takes the same shape and form as apartheid in excluding um, Black people in participating in institutions of violence. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, Give me a description of what education is like today in South Africa. Also talk about the good things, both sides of the spectrum. What is it like today? Who wants to answer that one? I think I think I think I'll allow Pat to, to to tackle this one, and then probably I'll come in with 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 the issue of 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 um, the transformation of the curriculum uh, for human indigenous culture and nation building. So I think 
Let me allow him to tackle this one and then I'll come in after him. Sure. Okay, um, thank you, Temba. I think first and foremost, on a on a positive note, um access has been increased into institutions of our learning and not just on a financial level, um, although we God, but access has been increased in the sense that um, we we have uh, institutional capacities have been increased. So, for example, if um, uh, Vets University in 1994 used to take 10,000 students, um, now we find that Vets University takes up to 200,000 um, students, um, which is first and foremost the biggest success we can speak of because we have access into institutions of higher learning for the marginalized black people who could not access um, these institutions. Secondly, um, the government has put in funding schemes that are necessary for individuals that come from um, extremely impoverished backgrounds. So you have the National um, Financial Aid Scheme, which um, funds students who are um, um, from um, the middle middle class um, and going down, and to be more specific, the middle middle class is is people who earn less than three hundred and fifty thousand um, rands rands per annum. Um, so, so they do find those kind of people to 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 go to institutions of higher learning. Um, the third positive that we can speak of is that um, post the COVID era, we found that there's an even bigger um acceptance into accepting um forms and methods like online learning um through institutions like the University of South Africa, the University of Johannesburg, um, and other universities that allow students to study at the comfort of their homes. Um, uh, and, um, and it becomes beneficial in 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 that sense. Uh, maybe the downside of it, which will which will which Temba will will deal with more in depth, is the ongoing discussion of decolonization of education. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll just um highlight that with um the uh, with um, the knowledge that Temba will will deal with it in depth. Um, secondly, it's still methods of systematic exclusions like financial and economic exclusions, um, not taking into cognizance um, the, the kind of time frame it requires to reset the, the mind frames of people who have just gone through something as traumatic as apartheid. Um, we need to create conducive environments that allow um, our learning to be to to not be as hostile as it should be, because for students protests to happen in the first place means that there is a hostile environment and a violent space that we exist in that needs to be um, addressed. Um, we, we 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 oh on, on the positive side I also forgot to mention that in actual fact there is government subsidy for students in South Africa. Um, so if an LLB would naturally cause cost um, an institution of higher learning around 120,000 to 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 complete um, or to to complete a year the south african government actually pays half of that for all south african um, um, citizens and then you have to cover the other half through either um, the national um, um, funding scheme or through bursaries or through 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 um 
self-funding. Um, but moreover, um, institutions of higher learning still need to improve on their infrastructure in South Africa. Um, they need to improve on residential areas in and around universities. They need to improve on um, the cultures that exist in institutions of higher learning. Um, because we still find things like gender-based violence um, quite recently there was a stabbing that happened in the university, um, the Cape Peninsula University of, of, Techno of Technology or UWC, I'm not sure which one of the two where the stabbing happens um, and, and, and maybe have a more inclusive culture of extramural activities that broaden the horizon of, 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 of learners and students and, and, and maybe the transformation of of the institutions themselves to have a more inclusive um, and a more market-friendly um, courses that are available to, 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 to South Africa. Because one of the realities that we face is that there's a massive brain drain that is happening in South Africa, where a lot of people complete their qualifications, go to Germany for nursing, go to USA for... for, 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 for um, different um, um, markets to participate in. Um, so we need to to have a more market direct and um, orientated in, um, learning that looks to boost our economy and what is central to, 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 to our economy. So uh, post-1991, there they are more positives to speak about as opposed to negatives. Um, but as we say, the existence of any student formation or any organizations on the foundation that they are still changes that are yet to be made and if we create a utopia a perfect um, scenario in institutions of violence then you would not see a need for student formation that student bodies to exist and they do exist because there are still some ills that we need to rectify as um, a country and subsequently as institutions of violence I think um, what follows I'll, I'll allow Temba to tackle um, I think that is more of his forte. Okay, thank you. So, Amber, if you could speak to, in the interest of time, these two questions, but absolutely don't rush. These two questions. What is the role of education in creating national identity and humanizing indigenous culture, as well as speak to what aspects of the education system in South Africa need to be decolonized um thanks thanks i think i think i think one in 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 our in our journey to to, to overcome the legacies of apartheid um it is crucial and, and and it is significant that that we we we, we look into transforming the post-schooling curriculum i mean one 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 can't can't deny the historical marginalization of of indigenous cultures both socially um economically um and and to create a socially conscious empowered um and united nation so i think it is imperative to prioritize um the the curriculum in terms of human um, human indigenous culture um to foster nation building and, and I think what I touched on before, to equip graduates to play a more active role in community development. And I think, and I think in South Africa alone, it's, it's, it's a legacy that is really unfortunate that, that I think we as a country are starting to slowly but surely moving into, in, into addressing um, um, holistically. I mean, 
the first thing you do when you get your qualification is 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 is, is to seek is seek employment and 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 80 percent of chances um when you do seek employment it means moving away from home and moving closer to industry and moving closer to capital um which which leaves a neglect and and i think it creates a legacy of class suicide um that the first thing um that happens to you when you enter institutions of higher learning and when you leave them, you no longer become the the, the same child who is who is a product of a community, and 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 it's important that as we address our curriculum, um, and 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 as as we 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 look at humanizing our indigenous culture, we seek to create a graduate that that understands their role in terms of the historical uh, injustice and 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 its redress. That it's it's not only a governmental responsibility, it's not only a private sector responsibility, but also yourself as a graduate or or, or as someone who is who has exited the the the, the post schooling sector, that you equally play an important role not only with the knowledge acquired in these institutions, but also with the skills that you equip in going back into your community and and playing a critical role in terms of developing it. So the post schooling curriculum should focus on acknowledging and appreciating the rich heritage and contributions of our indigenous cultures um, to the nation's fabric um, by adopting a humanizing approach towards indigenous culture. Um, um, we should foster and respect the understanding um, and pride amongst our learners. I mean, I mean, th this, this, this pedagogical shift moves beyond a mere inclusion of, of our indigenous history in textbooks, um, as well as in the learning outcomes, but it, it requires a comprehensive integration um, of traditional knowledge, languages, and customs as part of our curriculum. And I think it's something that we must be proud of, that many of our Black academics currently is something, particularly within, within the arts, um, sociology, and anthropology um, 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 spaces, that it's something that they're really hitting hard into, that we, we are slowly integrating our languages, our Indigenous culture, um, in in the more unorthodox methods of teaching and learning um, um, of our curriculum, so it's something that we need to really hit hard into and and begin to 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 develop around it. Because I think at the center of nation building rests the foundation of inclusivity, social cohesion, and 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 education of learners on our indigenous culture instills, I think, a sense of belonging. Um, I think one of the biggest issues that that we struggle with, and I'll make an example. Of, of 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 one of our close academics, um, Dr. Petrom Zlin, um, of a recent um, um debacle that is had in the University of Christie, of of how 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 he was reflecting on how these buildings and these institutions reflect a particular time in our South African history. And that South African time is the, the colonial and apartheid era. And you can see that with even in the reflections of these buildings of, of these institutions. And there's no sense of belonging for the Black um, South African students. There's, there's no sense of identity. So people might speak about things such as name changes, um, structural changes to, to, to these buildings as something that is wasteful expenditure or something that is not really important, but it is. Because it creates a sense of belonging for the South African student. Um, it creates a sense of identity that when, when we reflect on things and when, when, when we see ourselves in these buildings, we begin to resonate with them better. When they are named after people that we know who played a contribute um, a, a huge contribution in terms of our liberation, as well as our identity as the Black South African student, we it, it is something that relates to the South African student better. So it's something that we really need to work much better into. And 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 it does not necessarily mean the removal of the other over the other, but 
if we are true and, and, and honest about this notion of this rainbow nation and building one identity and one South Africa, then we must begin to not walk on eggshells when we speak about these things. And we must begin to, 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 to radically speak about them as, as, as these institutions must resemble a sense of our identity as, 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 as the Black South African student. So I think in relation to nation building um, and the post-schooling the post um, um, curriculum, we, we, we can do better in terms of promoting unity and a shared national identity. Graduates who are armed with knowledge that can contribute effectively in terms of building and strengthening our cultural diversity and creating a vibrant nation. So I think in, 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 in of course, in the interest of time, but I think post-apartheid legacies continue to, 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 to leave a profound um, economic ramifications and, and, and disproportionality affecting indigenous communities. By, by by not only, and I think I spoke about it before, um, apart from spatial planning, um, as well as the design of institutions of higher learning in terms of the, 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 the targeted margins, as well as the targeted population, and how we've, we've done better in terms of increasing access, um, but also access as well, must not just speak unto access into spaces that necessarily do not resonate with us, but we must speak about access that 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 unequivocally um, speak about the redress as well. So I think it's something that we can definitely do better as as a country um, in 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 harnessing moving forward. Thank you, Tembo. So we're at our penultimate question, and I'm going to share my screen because there is a very important document that I asked my brothers from South Africa to look at in preparation for this discussion. And that document is the Commonwealth Student Safety and Security Agreement. What is the agreement about? It's the formal consensus among students across the Commonwealth on cross-cutting issues that concern the safety of students. This agreement concerns the protection of students of all ages who are enrolled in an educational program from the early childhood level to the postgraduate level. In its initial phase, this document is non-binding on member states. However, we envision that the future leadership of the CSA will amend and champion this agreement as a multilateral agreement between consenting member states. The articles cover protection of school zones, campus safety, gender-based violence and sexual violence, rural girls, student protests, armed conflicts involving students, use of force, incarceration of students, victimization of students, traditional bullying and cyberbullying times of conflict. I should hasten to emphasize that it is a draft and a working group, which will be chaired by Shireen Omundi of Kenya, will refine it and will be supporting the CSA in taking it across the Commonwealth. For the purpose of this discussion, and in the interest of time, I wanted to get feedback from Tembo, Temba and Patu on articles 5, 7, 8, and 9. Um, I, I suppose that they would have scanned through it. I I won't be able to read through it. It is a little length, a lengthy, but 
viewers, you will have access to the document in a few weeks, but I'd like to hear their comments at this time. Who would like to start first? Um, I, I think let me go in. I, I, I think I think one the 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 beauty about the the Commonwealth um, um draft document is 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 the fact that it it's, it speaks about the true reflection of 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 the 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 uh, I mean as far as South Africa is concerned, our South African schooling system. Um, uh, we I mean we we spoke about at length um the legacy of of our violent history in South Africa and and how how it continues to shape our society um Patu just spoke about stabbings at the university of of the, the cape peninsula university of technology and ewc respectively um and i think if, if i zoom into closer to home just last week um we were called into an emergency task team forum of one of the high schools in nelson mandela bay in the northern areas where there were gang shootings amongst learners so it, it it speaks about definitely the 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 history and the remnants of our violent history, and I think part and parcel of 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 of, of our international work that I think we pride ourselves on as as respective students um, student movements, um, is is that it, it's definitely a document that we must seek to galvanize the the South African student population into supporting, uh, but also. In terms of actively contributing towards um, Commonwealth uh, member nations, as far as bringing about teeth to the document, I mean, as you say, the document is currently not binding. But I think as we move forward um, in in in, a, in our bilateral and multilateral work that we will be definitely invested in moving forward, is that we must begin to 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 take um, um, decisions um, at at an international level um, that that are not just um, encouraging but also are binding amongst nations because I think we're at a particular time in our history that that so much is happening across the world and 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 very little is done about it because we we want to play the safer borderline as far as diplomacy is concerned. I mean, you talk about the history of of apartheid Israel and Palestine, and 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 we've been speaking about it for years, but but. It's, we, we continue not to, to take decisions about it at the expense of humanity. And I think this document creates a, a, a crucial foundation that, that we finally take the necessary steps towards uprooting violence in institutions of learning um, and, and, and begin to shape society as a whole. Because like Patrick said earlier on, I mean, these institutions of higher learning are a microcosm of society and, and the true reflection of the society that we represent. So I think when when we deal with these systemic issues, we we are then able to to shape and create a better view on society. So I think I think it's, I think it's a beautiful document, um, and it's it's working progress. And I think that it, it's something that all member nations must rally behind, um, not only in supporting it, but also in ensuring that it becomes a document. That 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 we're able to utilize as a bible amongst member nations and ensure that it does bring about the necessary protection for our students as as it should. So to bring about teeth to it and ensure that it is a document that is binding and 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 universities and and schools as well as colleges are able to rally behind this thing and know that students are protected both nationally as well as internationally. Thank you very much, Thembo. Pato, 
if I may call you Professor Patu, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, sir. Both of you have been extremely good guests. Go ahead. Uh, I think first and foremost, before we get into the document, it's quite important to acknowledge the fact that the document is an indictment on the residues of colonization, to be more precise, British colonization in our countries. It is difficult to sit back and read a document written by someone who's outside from South Africa, but resonates so much with South Africa, particularly not as a broad document, but as a document that is targeted at a narrow sectorial institution, uh, for example, institutions of violence. To have so many similarities and to read the document and feel like the person who wrote about it was writing a document precisely speaking about the conditions of post-colonialization uh, of South Africa and think that this is an a document that sits so closely to the student organization, but moreover, is more accurate to the challenges that we face as South Africa is quite worrisome. It means that the residues of colonization, if not dealt with systematically, precisely, and in a unified manner, it would therefore mean that we are going to deal with residues of colonization for an even longer time frame than we can imagine. But what becomes a positive and sits well with me is that we've taken an initiative to have an international binding document, although it's just beginning with Commonwealth nations, but an international binding document that would therefore have a ripple effect in the rest of the world in how we envision our societies being safer, being more just and being more conducive to the marginalized and previously oppressed people of different nations, would then speak to a unified voice that we can carry through as a people and ensure that we we mobilize and galvanize the rest of the world to have to have a common view with us and have a shared identity in how we deal with oppression and the residues of oppression but what i'm more happy about is that the need for us to have an international accord speaks to the level of thinking and the level of vision that we have for one, the student body, but moreover, what we will be able to do as a generation once we are in the upper echelons of power. Because looking at this document and bearing in mind that the likelihood of it becoming an international Bible for all Commonwealth countries like Temba says, speaks to our ability to draw treaties and agreements amongst ourselves to such an extent that we could have one day organize our own um, gathering that would end up having a bearing and impact as the Geneva Conventions on War, have her own impact that could end up as the Paris Accords on Climate Change. That means that our thinking and our time and our thinking and our logic behind what we envision as the new world order would be is quite in tune amongst ourselves and is quite is a path that could be hard, but a path that needs to be taken anyhow. So I'm happy about that. So with that um, background being given, it, it, I mean, the article that you ask us to speak about moreover speak to 
the general conversations that we've been having throughout um this 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 um this session we've spoken about protest we've spoken about conflict we've spoken about um gbv we've spoken about um the treatment of activists within our institutions of violent learning so the common conclusion would be that uh, as an organization we would to some extent have a common view and a shared view um, with this document and it resonates with us. Although there would be nuances depending on country to country, but having a general principle that we all agree on in terms of student protests, in terms of gender-based vi gender violence, in terms of action taken against activists, um, would, would an incarceration of activists would, would therefore mean that we are on the right path and we're on the right trajectory. Um, I think what we could do is to refine the document, um, is to perhaps work on having an international summit where all of this organization can sit on one room, in one room and robustly debate about what would the just um, engagement be and the just um, 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 path to take into ensuring that we do have a common Bible that we could sing from institution to institution, country to country, but have a common purpose and a common view. This for me sounds like, um, I'm sorry, to say this, but it's it would be like some sort of pan-Africanism view in terms of what student activism and just communities would be in institutions of higher learning, um, and 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 in different obviously institutions in 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 either um um, um vocational training institutions and mainstream universities, but for me this serves as a foundation for all of these Commonwealth countries um, to have representatives meet in one room, have a robust, deep, genuine, unfiltered discussion about what sort of paths we need to take and how we need to go about it. But I'm, but I'm glad having scanned through it, um, not once, twice, um, that we have shared common views amongst um, Anglophone um, post-colonial countries and how we tackle the, the residues of colon, co colonialism um, and, and, and the impacts that it has on our institutions, not only institutions of higher learning, but even other institutions that exist in our country. So for me at face value, or if anyone looks at it at face value, it looks like a document to deal with just institutions of higher learning. But I think it has broader um, applications in other institutions and how it would influence um, our thinking and our approach in how we would want to resolve, for example, conflicts, um, differences, protests, um, out broader to just institutions of violence. So I think its implementations are therefore broader than institutions of violence, but institutions of violence could be a foundation into interrogating and adding depth into documents like this um, in how we deal with um, 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 um challenges we face in our society. And second to that, um, having our own Bible as um, um, Anglophones uh, or posts of British colonies that would want to redefine themselves post the, the era of that colonization and have our own identity um, as, as indigenous people of different areas, but we have shared common views in what we think a just society needs to look like. Um, thank you. Thank you very much, Patu. Wow. Am I allowed to say that this has been my one of it's it's among the top favorite discussions we've had so far. I mean, 
Wow, this was just an excellent, riveting discussion. And what I love the most is I'm not speaking to um, politicians. I'm not speaking to anybody from, you know, perhaps with a certain agenda. You, you are independent voices. You have given us the real authentic perspective and it has been refreshing. In closing our talk, I'm going to put you on the spot to render your closing remarks in your chosen language, your native language. I know there are what, 11 official languages in South Africa. So I'm pretty sure you guys speak some language other than English. And I'd like you to render your closing remarks in that language and probably offer the translation while you do it. Tembo, go ahead. Masi Bulele, firstly, Sibulele, Gilpuban is Nigelona. We are Bonagal Banyan, Elizabeth says Zankin Zabandabacha, and Bambi Sana Wabo, Nangobano Fung, Lamas of Bundo School, Sangawazo Pusha, Sipushis and Elizabeth Bands. Alumas with Funa Unigazel and Jelis Lombulen, City Maguande upon Tatakon. And I think, in a nutshell, is to say, I think let's appreciate the, the opportunity from the Commonwealth um, Student Association. Um, and I think um, may we definitely expand in terms of the international work as far as education is concerned. Um, and may we continue to have platforms of this nature where we can definitely touch base with each other, um, share vision. Um, and create a better world and society that we live in. Um, so with those very few words, I think ours is just to extend a message of gratitude um, and to say that may the, the fruits of this discussion as well as the others, I know that there was one held with the students of Samoa earlier on during the day. Uh, and I think may we continue to create um, one world that is shared um, through the vision of world peace, um, development, um, and redressing historical injustices. Um, and may we as this generation, like Patu said earlier on, be a generation that will be life-changing, um, a generation that can be able to one day sit and draft um, documents such as the Geneva Agreement, um, as well as the Paris um, 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 Climate Change um, documents, and may we create a, a, prosperous, a prosperous society um, that is shared through peace as well as development. So I think those are the words that I'd like to share. And may we definitely continue to build and work together with each other in creating a much better society for ourselves. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Patu. Ndoribu um, Angamanda. Udapa yuni ratangana na watubo nova petu unji na mashango nova mbana nao. Zibu togwa ka ututura mi umburo. Na ukonu ubona urisabaswa bu machero wa shuribu fatahani. Na uzuchi konda nga unerabahone. Uriripate bu machero na rakobu toda. Zito daba tubane banambiru ndapu. Bane basira tere tabura. Bane balwera zunezwa bangoro. Uri rikono pata bu machero uhune rine. 
In a nutshell, our biggest responsibility is to humanity. We need to ensure that we have acts of love, acts of sympathy, acts of understanding, be a just society, so that whatever we build grows and it's not for us, but it's for future generations, including our children, our great-grandchildren, that they are able to sit and understand how a just society could lead to a very prosperous society. Our roles and responsibility in the main could not be, or may not be, as kind to us as we would want them to be. But hard circumstances are there to build character, are there to build people who would stand up and fight for what is just and know that the actions that we are to take are not self-imposed. In um, our culture, we believe in Ubuntu, which is in essence, I am because you are. And if we're able to inculcate that culture in how we live, how we approach our day-to-day -day life, we are bound to build a better society and a society that is just and kind to all of us. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We will certainly be in touch. And as I said earlier, the Commonwealth Students Association wants to enjoy a vibrant relationship with the students in South Africa. Thank you to all who listened. We will see you in our next session. Take care and walk good.